Welcome to Sold Out Sports Talk with your host, Roman Gabriel III. Up-close conversations with high-impact personalities from the world of sports and entertainment. Follow Roman on Twitter and Facebook at Roman Gabriel 3. This is a best-of edition of Sold Out Sports Talk. Today's show will feature interviews with quarterback Ryan Leaf of the San Diego Chargers and sports broadcasting legend Fred Hickman. Visit SoldOutTV.com for all things faith, family, and sports 365 days a year. And follow Roman on Facebook at the Roman Gabriel 3 fan page. Now, here's Roman Gabriel III. Welcome back to Sold Out Sports Talk on American Family Radio. And uh, we're here with a guy that I've been sought out, seeking after for quite some time to get on my show. He was the number one draft pick of the San Diego Chargers from Washington State. But I love this guy's story because uh, uh, so many people can uh, can appreciate it. Ryan Leaf with us. Ryan, how are you? Thanks, Roman, and thanks for having me. Hey, the reason why I'm so interested in your story is, is I have a brother who's one year younger than me who was an alcoholic for 17 years. And uh, it was one of the most heartbreaking things that, that I ever went through. Uh, and, and you know this, that so many people are hurt around the person who struggles with it, whether it's your family or your wife or your girlfriend. Um, t- talk to me a bit about the process for you, uh, because you've come full circle. And what's exciting about you is, is that you have the ability to look at somebody and say, even though I've been through it, you can come out the other end. Yeah, and I think that's the, that's the reason why we're so public about, about my yeah. struggles, you know, because that's the... When we do this, it has nothing to do with me personally. This has everything to do with the listener who, who still struggles or is in a place where I was, you know, six, six years ago. And, and that's our hope is that uh, somebody will hear it, reach out and ask for help. And then, you know, we got a tweet the other day or a message on Twitter where a guy said he heard me on a radio show 92 days ago and he wanted to just tell me, uh, write and tell me that he was 90 days sober. So, I mean, those are the impactful things that we're doing. And you were right about the family dynamic, right? The family doesn't realize how sick they get along with the process of having to deal with an addict in the family. And when you are going and seeking treatment, if the family isn't there with you, uh, it most likely will, nothing will change. You'll get back home and you've done all this work. The family hasn't, and the dynamics sh- doesn't shift. Uh, your muscle memory takes over. You are triggered by the right. things that your family deals with, and you go right back to what you've always done. I do a drug and alcohol education in public schools, um, and it's an abstinence program. And you know, the numbers are that 28% of junior high students are going to try alcohol for the first time. And one of the things that I see is uh, many of these kids, uh, it's not their fault. They come from homes where they go home and mom and dad are, are alcoholics right. or drug addicts. Um, and they're looking for an out. They're looking to break the chain. And I say chain because that's exactly what it is. Uh, my family, my wife and I, our 12 and 14 year olds, we took all the alcohol out of our house. I'd seen what it done with my brother and other members of my family. Right. Uh, so when we took it out of there, we were telling them, hey, it isn't just what we say, we're doing it. Yeah. And my daughter's never had a drink in her life, and, and my son doesn't drink. Um, and it really, really was a positive thing for me and my wife because what we saw was is that kids are going to mimic what they see at home. And the message to parents needs to be, you know, you really need to be thinking about your kids and what they're seeing. It's hard to say to a, a, a learning child, you know, do what I say, not what I do. You know, that's, that's really hard to do because we, we watch what other people do. And we, like you said, mimic that. Um, that's why, uh, you know, becoming a father at 41 and, 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 and one in recovery is going to be so beneficial to how I raise my son and how that how that comes about I, I have a story to tell 
But then again, through all this whole process, you can't control what choices these young young people make. And that's why when I spread my message and I talk to it, I can't take it personally if, sure. if something happens, if somebody does something. My job is to spread the message, talk about it, raise awareness, and what people do with that message is entirely up to them. Ryan Leaf is with us, uh, former number one draft pick of the San Diego Chargers. And Ryan, when did it start for you? When, when, when did the alcohol problem begin for you? You know, well, alcohol was never really the issue. It was truly Vicodin. It was yeah. it was the opiate. It was the opiate painkiller that I was given through all my surgeries while I was playing football, and then when my career was over, um, I did not know how to deal with life on life's terms, and uh, I turned to something that medicated me and killed the pain, the physical pain, and now I was looking for it to do that with the uh, emotional pain. And that's become such a big such a big problem, even that our president has taken a real initiative with this. That you have like eight, is it eighty-one deaths a day or something like that? It's from it's just uh, it's outrageous. I completely understand how it's possible because it's such a psychologically affecting drug. It it takes over the chemistry in your brain quickly too. It's not like you have to be doing this drug for a while to be addicted. It's really I think a matter of seven to ten days of a of a prescription where you could be you know obsessed with it to the point where you need to have it all the time. And for those of us who you know, it changed our chemistry and made us feel better, or in my case, not feel anything, not feel the failure, the the depression, all of these things. Uh, it can be everlasting, but it, it it runs out. You have to get to a point where you have to make a change, or otherwise it's just going to consume you. You know, you know what it's like to make decisions uh, and to be intentional about your life. Um, is Is it hard to be recovered from this in terms of continuing to do it? The recovery, yes, you have to be inter- you have to be intervened with. You can't you can't do it on your Cold own. It's just, and so I had to be intervened with. Um, the substance has been out of my system for a long time now, but those behaviors that exhibit that I exhibited for years before I ever took a drug, you know, those are in your in my life, and I and I behaved that way for so long, and so when they rear their ugly head again, I have to be shown uh, from people I've surrounded myself with who hold me accountable. Uh, and uh, and not get defensive when I when I am told about it. Like hey, you're acting out, uh, you know, your ego is is a part of this, or uh, you know, are you exaggerating yeah. that story at all? Because those are the those are the behaviors I exhibited while uh, while under the influence as well before. Well, the good news for you and me is, is coming from an athletic background, accountability is something that you're used to, or at least that you have to do, right? It's weird. Um, for being an athlete that made it to such an elite level, the word accountability, sometimes when you're an elite athlete, you are never accountable to anybody <laughs> or anything because you were given everything yeah. and told yes about everything. So the idea of accountability for me really changed uh, after this. when I was able to walk by a mirror, especially while I was in prison, and look at myself in the mirror and say, you are here because of what you did, nobody else, and the consequences are yours. And what was your part in all of this? So taking responsibility. Yes. Uh, a lot of kids today, the you know the accountability thing, they just don't learn it. It's just kind of out the window. Uh, everybody just goes with well, whatever you think's right is right, and whatever I think is right is right. Right. So as you as you're involved with Transcend, I see the hat you're wearing, the recovery community. Tell me about Transcend and what you guys do. Well, yeah, we're a recovery community that's based in uh, Los Angeles, Houston, and New York. And uh, we're sober living environments for people who are dealing with substance abuse and mental health issues. And I'm lucky enough to be uh, the program ambassador for that. So I get to travel around the country, do these types of things, try to help people with those issues. 
uh, and, uh, and get them into treatment or, or simply just be a, a sounding board for them if they need to ask for help or talk about it. And for our listening audience, you know, this isn't, th- this is, everybody's affected by this. If you, if you just had a pain and you went to the doctor and they gave you a Vicodin or, or a strong uh, medicine, bottom line is, what is it for you uh, that makes this so special now in terms of having the opportunity to travel and to help others? And, and more importantly, for someone's out there listening to us, Ryan, who has the problem, what would you tell them? Well, for me, it's about service, right? So, you know, this, is, this isn't this is self-serving in any way. No. I'm not, you know, trying to gain anything from this, or I'm just trying to help somebody who is maybe in the same position I was, and I know how miserable I was and how I, at times, didn't even want to be here, uh, be alive. And, and I know there are other people that are dealing with that on a daily basis, and if we can be an outlet for that, uh, then I want to take on that responsibility, and, and that's why we're so public about it. Wow. Ryan Leaf with us uh, from Transcend Recovery Community. And, and if, if we want information about Transcend, where do they go? Uh, TranscendRecoveryCommunity.com or, you know, contact me directly on Twitter at Ryan D. Leaf. We just had somebody, I think we talked about it a little bit earlier, how they reached out and talked about how they heard something like this, you know, 92 days ago, and they just reached their 90-day 90, 90 sobriety uh, point. So, uh, you know, reach out to me personally if you need to. I'll I'll, I'll give you a call myself, and we can have a talk because my story is no different than yours. It's not m- more important because I played football, or less important because I was a, you know, a felon who went to jail. We have the same story, and your stories can be just as impactful to me as mine to yours. Tell me one thing before I let you go. Uh, you are so closely tied to Peyton Manning, obviously, for a lot of reasons. What's your relationship with Peyton now? Uh, it's it's friendly. You know, uh, we text each other from time to time. Recently. Uh, when he was uh, getting his uh, uh, jersey retired in the bronze statue outside of uh, Lucas Oil, um, I, I, I texted him and told him, congratulations, well-deserved. And then uh, I threw in a, a, a quick snapshot of my two-week-old baby boy at the time and, and said, by the way, my day was still better. And uh, <laughs> he sent back a, a text that said, I agree. So he understands what's important. He has children himself. So I'm really proud of him and what he's been able to accomplish. And, you know, it's... Uh, to be considered, uh, you know, at a time, uh, the equivalent of, of Peyton Manning, who may be arguably the best who ever played, that's a pretty neat thing. And, and now that I know what's important in life, I can, I can look back and say that's pretty darn cool. Here's a question I know you probably have thought about. If this didn't happen to you, where, where do you think Ryan Leaf would have been as a quarterback 10 years into the league? Probably be a 41-year-old with some Super Bowl rings. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know yourself what you used to yeah, be. Yeah. Some self-awareness there. So, so tell me real quickly about your family life. You said you said you had your first child. And, yeah. And, well, how's that impacted your life? Well, it just immediately shows you the, you know, the selfless nature of how you're going to have to live the rest of your life. Everything I do, any money I I, I earn is for him. Uh, everything I do is for him and for my partner too. She. Uh, She's an extension of him because she helped me. She helped give me this this other human being, and and to have a partner like that is is pretty amazing. And this is the longest I've been away from him. This will be yeah. eleven straight days. So it's, uh, it's she's, she keeps shooting me videos, and it just it breaks my heart that I'm here, even though we're doing good work. Sure, sure. But uh, I want to hold him. I want to be around him because he's never going to be that small or that cute like that. You know that place again. Ryan Lee, where we go for Transcend Recovery again. 
TranscendRecoveryCommunity.com or reach out to me personally uh, at Ryan D. Leaf on, on Twitter and we can uh, we can help. Ryan, this has been a pleasure. I Thank sure, you. This is, this is well worth the wait. All right, sir. Let Thanks for coming in, my friend. Yeah. You're listening to a best of edition of Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. In this segment, Roman talks with veteran sports broadcaster Fred Hickman. Visit SoldOutTV.com for all things faith, family, and sports. And follow Roman on Facebook at the Roman Gabriel 3 fan page. Now, once again, here's Roman Gabriel III. Well, I got a great friend coming back in on Sold Out Sports Talk. Always great to talk with him. Um, I call him one of the legends of uh, sports broadcasting, CNNSI, if you go back that far. Uh, good friend Fred Hickman and with us on Sold Out Sports Talk. Fred, how are you? Uh, always good to talk to the original RG3. I'm doing fine. Thank you. I find out that now you're anchoring the news in Baton Rouge at WBLA, the NBC affiliate. Now, now that's got to be fun for you, right? Something a little big change, it sounds like. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a little reinvention. You know, what you've been doing this as long as I have, and you've been around a long time as well, um, you're always looking for a challenge. Um, you know, I'm not, at my age, I'm 61. Which is young, a young sixty-one, not, young sixty-one. That's right. And I'm not, but I'm not trying to, you know. Oh, I got to go to the, you know, bigger market or, you know, prove any points. You know, I got quality of life and significance, right? Yeah. Quality of life. Yeah, that's it. And you know, being able to to really and truly make a difference. I mean, let's face it, sports is great. It's a it's a great distraction. It's uh, it's fun to cover. <clears throat> But um, there are so many important things going on in the world today. I mean, look at the crazy times we live in now. That, um, you know, I think you need to have somebody that's clear-eyed, um, that has seen a few things, um, lived through a few things, to kind of interpret what you think is happening. Not to, not to shape anybody's opinion, but just to be sure to make, make sure people are armed with facts. Well, did you ever um, think? Did you ever think, Fred, when you were at CNNSI and you guys were making a strong run at, at ESPN, and of course ESPN was pre-Disney at that point? Did you ever think that sports would be where it is today in terms of the amount of coverage and, and just the, the the news cycle and how fast this thing's going? No, no. I mean, you know, you look at football now, and there is no offseason. Every day, there's something going on with the NFL. Um, and I think back to when it was fun for me, the most fun, <clears throat> this is before I was even covering it, if you remember when Monday Night Football first came online, right? that Thanksgiving Day football, those two games, <clears throat> Detroit and Dallas, but Monday Night Football and then Sundays, and that was it. Now, you didn't get to see a lot of games, so, so then Monday nights you can catch you know, the halftime and you know, see the highlights of the other teams. Howard Cosell, halftime highlights. Yes, and you look forward to a George Michael sports machine Sunday nights. You oh, look wow, that forward is cool, to that. Yeah, but, you know, now there's no there's no anticipation because it's right there. You know, you pick up your phone and see anything you want, see any game you want. Um, I think, that, I think I, that's I what made Sports Illustrated good, Fred, too, was – 
was you, you know, I, I, I've been taking Sports Illustrated as a habit since I was about 13 years old, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you look forward to the bios. You look forward to finding out in Sports Illustrated about who these guys were or who these gals were and, you know, what made them who they were, those in-depth stories. But now those in-depth stories are 24 hours a day, and you, you can't even have a magazine anymore. Well, my favorite page in Sports Illustrated was that, that back page where they just had these kind of obscure uh, high school athletes, whoever they were, and the accomplishments that they made. I, I right. forgot what they called it, but, you know, but anyway, my, my point is that you get so much oversaturation and, and fantasy leagues and all, and it's all fine, it's all great, but there's just so much of it. I tell people all the time, I've covered maybe, I don't know, 20, 25 Super Bowls, and I've never enjoyed one of them. Because I was working all the way through. Right, right, right. You know, people go, oh, did you go to the great parties? I'm like, no, we were working. My favorite day of the Super Bowl week was a Monday after the game. Right. I would right. always take that day off and had, go to dinner or something, let everybody else slug it out at the airport, and then I would leave Tuesday. <laughs> well, I, you yeah, know, I always tell this change. story when you talk about technology. My first Super Bowl, and I'm on 26 coming up this year. Um, mm-hmm. was 1994 in Phoenix was the Cowboys and the Steelers. And mm-hmm. uh, at the time I was working with a tape recorder, getting interviews, just straight up tape recorder, putting it in their face and, you know, and talking. And yep. I'll never forget. Um, I had to go back to a small radio station in North Carolina with a, with a it was, Pardon. it was, it was a two minute report. And I was trying to find a phone. Uh, that I could use to uh, to 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 get on to get on air, and I couldn't find a phone. And and I look upstairs, and there's there's uh, you and Vince Cellini and the guys at CNNSI, and ran upstairs, and I said, "Can I use you guys' phone?" And you guys were off the air, and said, "No, no, no problem. You go ahead and use the phone. You guys uh, made it possible for me to do my show that night." <laughs> oh, well, that's cool. 1994. What was that? Was that Tampa? That was Phoenix. The Phoenix, Cowboys Phoenix, and the Steelers. Phoenix. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay. You guys had a beautiful okay. set upstairs. It was gorgeous. You know, they had you set up really nice up there. And I said, man, you guys saved my life. I got a phone line. I can get out. Uh, you well, remember I'll how – you, yeah. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I was going to say you remember how it was. It was so rudimentary. Oh, yeah. And and not only that, but we, you know, the guys at ESPN and our fellows, you know, we worked together. I mean, we would cover boxing, you know, in Vegas. And um, so we would work together on who would take the winner first. And we'd say, oh, hey, listen, you guys went first last night. We'll go first this time. And you trade off. They'd run out of videotape. We'd lend them some of ours and vice versa. Um, I mean, of course, those days were long gone. But, you know, we were competitive. But, you know, we still wanted each other to succeed. You know, and uh, that, that, of course, has changed now. And, I, and Twitter drives me crazy. It drives me nuts. I'm telling you, I, do think, I tell people this story all the time. I was at, um, when I was sports director in New Orleans, I go to a Saints game, and I'm sitting up in the press box, and I have a, a pregame show that I had to do, and then a postgame show that I had to take for that night right after the game. And everybody there is tweeting, all the reporters, especially all the young guys, they're tweeting. Every play, tweet, 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 tweet. And I'm like, why? <laughs> What's the point? You know, don't you watch the game? <laughs> Better finger dexterity, quicker. Yeah, I, 
yeah, I guess. And but I, I don't well, everybody know wants to be everybody wants to be first now, and that's. And I'm with Fred Hickman of WBLA, he's the NBC affiliate, uh, doing straight up newscasts. Uh, there, a little change up from all the sports that he's done in his life. And, you know, Fred, I was going to say, you know, our program is about faith, family, and sports. And I was going to ask mm-hmm. you, you know, somebody asked me the other day, they said, you know, who who, who were the Christian athletes that you first looked up to and, and how far back? And I said, well, when I was in college as a, as a junior, Roger Staubach and Steve Barkowski were really the first two mm-hmm. football players that I ever heard talk about God in any way, shape, or form. And um, mm-hmm. So, so I modeled myself after them because I really felt like not only were they great on the field, but they were great family people, and they were they were tremendous with kids. And um, who who were the first couple of Christian athletes that you remember uh, covering? Um, was AC Green? Was oh yeah, with the uh, the Lakers back in the day. Number thirty eight with the Buffalo Bills and those great teams. He was in the secondary keepers. I cannot. Was it Kelso the safety? Mark Kelso, thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yes, and um, just just a great guy. But those two guys uh, were right there. Wayman Tisdale was another right, one. right, Oklahoma. Um, yeah, but um, and Kelso, of course, AC Green was way ahead of his time. I mean, living in Hollywood way, with the Lakers, and then you know about sexual abstinence. And in fact, Fred, I was with him last summer. He still does his basketball camp in Orange County. Uh, and mm-hmm. he was at a high school out there, and we went out there to see him, and he's still doing his thing, man. He was awesome. Well, and, and you know, give yourself some credit, too, because you're, you're cutting edge. You're the first one I know of who's, you know, put God first in sports, you know, in the media. And uh, a lot of us really appreciate that. We really, really do. Um, well, because, it's, you know, that's, that's the whole thing nowadays. I mean, I've seen since transitioning to news, We've had, um, you talk about dirty pool. <laughs> I think Louisiana politics it doesn't get any worse than that. So politics is uh, worse, worse in your estimation when it comes to the dirty oh play? Oh, my gosh. Yes, yes. I mean, there are no rules once those gloves come off. Wow. And then there's there's that, and then there's uh, such division. I haven't seen, and I'm very serious about this. I think that God has prepared us Um times such as these i have never seen more chaos and more um just you know tugging and struggling between people especially in our country well this is going to make us sound old fred but but my but you you probably talked to your wife about this but my wife and i were talking the other day and she she always looks at me and, and she whenever she sees my three-year-old grandson you know grab the phone and know more about a phone than she does uh, mm-hmm. she'll, she'll, she'll say, don't you yearn to go back to the days when we didn't have, you know, faxes, when we didn't have answering machines, when we didn't have mobile phones, when we didn't have computers, where you could sit down at dinner with your family, have a conversation. If the phone rang, you let it ring, they'll call back. And, you know, mm-hmm. to me, the instant communication has really in one way been great technology, but it has really hurt the this generation of kids with their communication skills. No, I absolutely agree with that. Fred Hickman with us from WBLA, NBC affiliate in Baton Rouge. Yeah. Speaking of technology, it takes me a little time to get to these things. But, um, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. It, it, it's taken away from family time. Um, you know, and thank God we still have, you know, good churches to go to because at least you have that hour or two 
on uh, Sunday mornings where you know you can just disconnect, right? And um, and, and fellowship uh, with folks, and, and you know, I, and I don't guess people understand that there's a lot of fellowshipping that goes on in sports. Um, you know, there are chapels. Um, you know, I would try to go to chapel whenever I could uh, with the guys, with the players. Uh, it didn't matter, you know, what team it was. We didn't have a team. Um, you know, we covered whatever we were covering, but. You know, I try to find out where you know Chapel was, and go in and um, and just worship with the guys. And get, but get it, isn't that the thing, Fred? That if you talk to any athlete that spent any time playing the game, uh, they always tell you that the thing they miss the most is the locker room and is the guys, is the fellowship and and the camaraderie. I mean, it doesn't matter who I talk to. You know, nobody nobody will tell you, "Hey, I wish I was you know getting hit again," but. They'll tell you, I just yeah. miss, I miss, I miss that atmosphere of, of being with a group of guys with a common goal. No, that's absolutely right, and they they miss that more than anything. I think they miss that more than the competition because you do. I mean, you're you're a family. You live with each other. Um, you know, back during the days when I was doing uh, the Atlanta Hawks uh, with Skip Carey, this is back in the early '80s. You know, there were no charters <laughs> that players would take from commercial uh, like everybody else. So, um, and there was no cable TV, so we played cards on the road. Um, everybody watched football. It was the funniest thing. Big, huge NBA players would talk about, oh, did you see what happened on Days of Our Lives today? <laughs> God bless you, my friend. I appreciate you coming on. Always great to be with you, and I'll look forward to visiting soon. Thank you. God bless you and yours and your crew as well. You've been listening to Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. Our podcasts are available at AFR.net. You can follow Roman on his official website, soldouttv.com, and on Facebook at Roman Gabriel III. We'll catch you next time on Sold Out Sports Talk, your source for faith, family, and sports.